You're listening to Calvary La Habra's podcast. For more information, visit us at calvarylh.com. Thanks for listening. We journey through this portion of scripture and um, just a little funny story that I'll share with you because when Lori gave us the book, um, Live Fearlessly, this last summer and said, would you guys pray over maybe teaching a section? Um, the first time through, I landed on this section and was like, oh my goodness, who's crazy enough to teach on seven chapters, right? And then I put it aside, and I went back a few weeks later, and I'm like, Lord, I'm just going to look over the titles that Linnea Heisek had, and I'm going to pray over those. And the divine developer just stood out in my mind. So in faith, I'm like, okay, I'm going to sign up for it. Then I go back to study, and I'm like, I'm the crazy one. I'm the one who signed up for the seven chapters. But we're not going to go through every chapter. Time doesn't allow. There's so much richness in these seven chapters. Um, And I know your group time will be rich because you can share with one another what God has imparted to you over this last week. But really what he impressed upon my heart was this whole idea of the possession of the inheritance. And we see through Joshua a real shift in these chapters. And so we see Joshua as the one taking them out of the wilderness, the people of Israel, leading them into and across, um, into the promised land across the Jordan. And then it was a time of of claiming the land in a time of battles. And even in chapter 11, we see that there was another battle that they fought. But then it shifts in chapter 13. The other part of Joshua's commission was to divide the land. Now, we know that it is God who was dispersing the land. He was using Joshua to to distribute it. And so that's really what stuck out to me. So we're going to focus more on the inheritance and these different responses that people had to the inheritance. And I hope that it blesses you. I know that the Lord has done a real work in my heart as I've studied this. So before we dive in, let's just um, ask the Lord to meet us here and guide us and teach us. Lord, we thank you so much just for the richness of your word. Lord, as I study your word, I know that there's so much more for me to learn And as I learn of your character, I learn that there's so much more of your character that uh, I desire to know. And Lord, as we just dive into these chapters in Joshua, would you speak to us? Would our hearts be open to hear from your word? May we um, open our hearts to receive the living word of God to change us, to transform us, and to do our work in us. May you give us clarity. Lord, give us um, your words, your thoughts, and may we stay focused on you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you would, open your Bibles to chapter 17. We're going to focus mostly on 17 and 18. But just to give you an overview, because I had to go back through this, um, and the, verse, or the chapters prior to this, it talks about some of the tribes that have already received an inheritance. So before the Israelites 
crossed over the Jordan, three, well, two and a half tribes actually settled their inheritance with Moses. And those are the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. As we move in, Joshua doesn't need to deal with those tribes because they've already been dealt with. But he is going to, in chapter 15, distribute uh, to Judah, Judah's inheritance, which we're actually going to go back to in our study this um, coming week. So we're going to skip over 14 and 15. Um, And then we see in 16 and 17 that Ephraim and Manasseh's uh, inheritance are distributed, and those are the sons of Joseph, and Joseph's inheritance was split into two. And then we also see in chapters 18 and 19, it covers the tribes of Benjamin, Simeon, Zebulun, Issachar, Asher, Naphtali, and Dan. And then we also see that Levi was one of the tribes as well, but we know that the Lord was uh, their inheritance, and they did not receive a land inheritance. And I think next week's going to hit on that in our study as well. So for our purpose and study, we're going to focus on three groups of people and their response to the inheritance and the possession that they were given. We're going to look at um, Zelophehad's daughters. We're going to look at the children of Joseph. And then we're going to look at the other seven tribes of Israel. So I have three questions for us to think through tonight. Who has an inheritance? Do you want a greater possession? And are you neglecting your possession? So as we go through, those are the three questions that we'll look at as we talk about these three groups of people. So an inheritance, what is it? And a possession, as we're talking about this, um, the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia says that an inheritance is an occupancy, an heirloom, an estate, or a portion. The literal inheritance in the book of Joshua is the land received by the Israelites and divided by tribe. Figuratively, biblically speaking, it's applied to the kingdom of God as represented in the consecrated life of his followers. David Gusick explains it as it's the rest and the victory that can be enjoyed by every believer. F.B. Myers connects the book of Joshua to the book of Ephesians, describing both a spiritual walk of promise wealth and victory that is ours with Jesus. And so it is this abundant life that we are living here on earth until our final inheritance in heaven. And that, as we speak of the possession and the inheritance, is what we're going to be looking at today, figuratively speaking. So let's jump into chapter 17. Sorry about this ringing. I don't know. Hopefully it's not okay. bothering you. Um, It might just be me. Um, So we have in chapter 17, there was also a lot for the tribe of Manasseh, for he was a firstborn of Joseph. And it goes through and it tells all of the um, sons of Manasseh that the inheritance was given. But in verse 3 is where I want to focus. It says, but Zelophehad, the son of Hepher, the son of Gilead, the son of Maker, the son of Manasseh, had no sons but only daughters. And these are the names of his daughters, Mala, Noah, Hagla, Milcah, and Terzah. And they came before Eleazar the priest, before Joshua the son of Nun, and before the rulers, saying, The Lord commanded Moses to give us an inheritance among our brothers. Therefore, according to the commandment of the Lord, he gave them an inheritance among 
their father's brothers. And right here in the midst of this distributing of the land, we see this interjection of these daughters. And so if you go back to Numbers chapter 27, before they entered the promised land with Moses over there, they were doing a census, and it was there that Zelophehad's daughters rose up, and it says there in 27 verse 2, they stood before Moses, before Eliezer the priest, and before the leaders and all the congregation by the doorway of the tabernacle of meeting, saying, Our father died in the wilderness, but he was not in the company of those who gathered together against the Lord in the company with Korah. But he died in his own sin, and he had no sons. Why should the name of our father be removed from among his family because he had no son? Give us a possession among our father's brothers. So Moses brought their case before the Lord. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, The daughters of Zelophehad speak what is right. You shall surely give them a possession of inheritance among their father's brothers, and cause the inheritance of their father to pass to them. And so we see here the daughters of Zelophehad coming boldly to Moses. And I love a couple of things that just really stood out in the scripture First is that they desired a portion of their father's inheritance. Then they asked for it in faith. They knew they didn't deserve it. They were women. Traditionally, up until this point, all of the inheritance went to the son, and they were daughters. And then they appealed not to their own character, but to the character of their father. And then God honored their request. And what a beautiful picture this is for us. We ask the question, who has an, a portion of a spiritual inheritance? Just like these daughters, do you desire a portion of your Heavenly Father's inheritance? That's where it starts. If you do, you simply ask in faith, knowing that you don't deserve it, but that he freely gives it because it is a gift. And then we don't appeal to our own character but we appeal to our Father's character, our Heavenly Father, who gave his very own Son because he loved you and I so much that he gave his Son to die on the cross for our sins. And then God always honors the requests of those who call out. And you know, as a believer who has walked with the Lord for a long time, I've grown up in the church, I need this reminder all the time. Because as we grow and walk with the Lord, we can begin to see God's love for us in accordance to what we're doing at church or what we're doing in service. There's so much more to that. That is not where we get our right standing with the Lord. We get our right standing according to him and his love for us and what he's done for us. And we get to receive them that. And then out of that, we get to serve back. And so if you've been walking with the Lord for a long time, or maybe you're here and you're like, I want part of that inheritance, it is for us to be reminded. And for those of you who have not received, it's an invitation. I'm just going to read two scriptures, and I would like you just to sit and let the word of God wash over you so that we can be refreshed and reminded. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, 
created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And then Romans 10, 8 through 13 says, But what does it say? The word is near you in mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew or Greek, for the same Lord is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so as we move to the next portion of scripture, may we remember that our inheritance is from our Heavenly Father. It is not earned, but it is a gift that we receive in faith. And then we stand on the promises. You know, I think Zelophehad's daughters felt like maybe Joshua was going to forget them. And I think in our Christian walk, we could feel that way. Like, what's my possession? What, Lord, what are you having me to do? Or maybe you just, you're, you're wavering and you're not sure where you're at. Well, stand on the promises of God's word. And that's what Zelophehad's daughters did. They reminded Joshua boldly, this is the promise that God gave us back when Moses was still alive. And they claimed it there and they stood on it. And God is always faithful to fulfill his promises. So if you're feeling forgotten, you're not forgotten. If you are a child of God, you have an inheritance. You have a possession. And so may we be excited about that. And may we press forward knowing that. The second question I want to ask you is, do you want a greater possession? This is a tricky one. I think we could spend probably two hours on this next section, but um, we won't. But let me read uh, chapter 17, 14 through 18. Now we're getting into the children of Joseph and their response to the possession. It says in 14, Then the children of Joseph spoke to Joshua, saying, Why have you given us only one lot and one share to inherit, since we are a great people, inasmuch as the Lord has blessed us until now? So Joshua answered them, If you are a great people, then go up to the forest country and clear a place for you there in the land of the Perizzites and the giants, since the mountains of Ephraim are too confined for you. But the children of Joseph said, The mountain country is not enough for us. And all those Canaanites who dwell in the land of the valley have chariots of iron. But those who are of Bethsheen and its towns and those who are of the valley of Jezreel. And Joshua spoke to the house of Joseph, to Ephraim and Manasseh, saying, You are a great people, and you have great power. You shall not only have one lot, but the mountain country shall be yours. Although it is wooded, you shall cut it down, and its farthest extent shall be yours. For you shall drive out the Canaanites, though they have iron chariots and are strong. I sat for a long time in this portion because I think it's really fitting for me in a lot of ways. And I've, I've seen this over the last um, couple years as ministry at church has changed. Ministry as we know it to be has changed maybe you were part of like children's ministry and it's shifted or you were part of a different ministry and it's changed. And Lance was even talking on Sunday about the importance of just being flexible. I'm like, oh, 
Because here, with the children of Joseph, you know, it's interesting, they, they receive this possession, right? And their first response is, it's not enough for us. Like, we are a great people. And that word great is more numerous, like they had a lot of people. And so it was a physical worry that they had. But then they go on and we're super blessed. Sometimes we lose our focus and we can start focusing on our physical needs and we can start thinking like, Lord, you blessed me with like really great things that I want to share with people, which is not bad in and of itself, but the focus is wrong because they weren't really focused on who their inheritance was from and that he was giving them this inheritance. Instead, they went right to the complaint. Doesn't meet my physical need. And I think I have different blessings that I, I think I could use better over there. I think you kind of got it wrong, you know? And I, if I'm honest, I found myself there before. And I think if we're all honest, many of us have found ourselves there before. Because there's nothing glorious in washing dishes. There's nothing glorious in children's ministry sometimes. There's nothing glorious in serving our spouse. There's nothing glorious about taking the back seat for a coworker and giving them the place that we want. But this is where it's not about the acreage of land, it's about the obedience, our obedience in the land that we've been given. Because as you go through, you see that these guys weren't so much upset about like the plot of land, but the work they had to do in it. Oh, well, we have to cut down the trees? Well, I don't want to cut down the trees. I have, to, I have to go and defeat those giants? I don't really want to do that, right? And even coming off Christmas break, I homeschool, so we had a great time of rest. And I love what Stephanie said last week about active rest. You know, I don't know if our, our rest was active during Christmas break. We were really lazy. We played a lot of games. We had a lot of fun as a family. It was good. It was needed. But when we went and switched to doing school that coming Monday afterwards, there was some real challenges in my home. My heart, we, had the, we had the Sunday night blues. We were like, no, tomorrow's Monday. And um, we had to go from that place of like, gosh, we have, we've enjoyed, and now we have to go and face these things that we don't want to face. And um, I had a, a discussion with one of my kids, and, and this scripture came to my remembrance, and it's James 1, 2 through 4. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. And you might think, okay, doing school is not a trial. But for my high schooler, it's a trial. It's real for her. And uh, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And we talked about that scripture. And I'm like, do we want to be mature? That's what that perfect, that perfecting work does. It's not that we're perfect, but it's a maturity. Do we want to be complete? You know, a lot of times when we come to Christ, we think, we come to Christ and there's no conflict. Well, actually, to possess all of what God has for us, we do face conflict, but we're fighting from a place of victory, as John Corson says, because Christ has already done it. The, the land, the possession is ours. We're fighting from a place of victory, but there are still challenges. There are still conflicts. And when we're obedient in those conflicts, we are going to possess more 
of the spiritual blessings of being mature and complete in Christ. Joshua actually says, okay, you want more land? Okay, you can have the mountain country too. But notice that the work doesn't change. How many of us have asked for more? And then we're like, why did we do that? There's more trees and there are more giants. But I think Joshua really knew at this point, like you're not going to get it unless you go through it. It's kind of the school of hard knocks because it already been through all these battles. And we've been, and we've studied these, right? Jericho, they marched around Jericho and they screamed and the walls fell down. You know, there were hailstones last week that fell on the people. The sun stood still. Like Joshua knew we did not win these battles. It was God who won these battles. But these children of Joseph were missing it. They forgot who was their strength and who made them great. So he affirms them, you are great people. Not because of who they are, but because of who their God is. And you have great power. And then he charges them, go, though it's wooded, cut down the trees, and then drive out the Canaanites. Trees impede our vision. They couldn't see the beautiful land that they had because they had to cut down the trees to see what was there. So let me ask you, what's impeding your vision? It can be good things. Trees are not bad. Trees are wonderful. We don't want to cut them all down. But they impede our vision. They impede what is there. And we have to clear them in order to do the work. And my second question is, who are your Canaanites? Because they failed to drive out the Canaanites or the giants in previous chapters. And now they're complaining about those very Canaanites. And they're like, we have to defeat them? But remember in Isaiah, it says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper, right? And it says, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. There's no giant too big for you, for God, sorry, to defeat in your life. There's no weapon too mighty for God to cast down. But we do need to see that we are not a great people because of who we are but because of who our Father is. And we don't have great power in and of ourselves, but because the Lord is on our side, we have great power. So we know who has an inheritance. We know if we want a greater possession, we must face the conflict and not be afraid of it. And then thirdly, um, we're going to look at the remainder of the land that was yet to be divided there in chapter 18. So we're going to start in verse 3, and this is dealing with the other seven tribes that had not yet received their inheritance. Joshua asked the question, then Joshua said to the children of Israel, how long will you neglect to go and possess the land which the Lord your fathers have given you? Pick out from among you three men for each tribe, and I will send them. They shall rise and go through the land survey it according to their inheritance, and come back to me. And they shall divide it into seven parts. Judah shall remain in their territory on the south, and the house of Joseph shall remain in their territory on the north. You shall therefore survey the land in seven parts, and bring the survey here to me, that I may cast lots for you here before the Lord our God. But the Levites have no part among you, for the priesthood of the Lord is their inheritance." 
and Gad, Reuben, and the half-tribe of Manasseh have received their inheritance beyond the Jordan on the east, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave them. Then the men arose to go away, and Joshua charged those who went back to survey the land, saying, Go, walk through the land, survey it, and come back to me, that I may cast lots for you here before the Lord in Shiloh. And so we see these men go out and and do as Joshua has uh, commissioned them to do. And so the last section I want to ask, um, the question I have for you is, are you neglecting your inheritance? So here we see Joshua saying, okay, here is this land for you to possess, but they weren't in a hurry to possess it. When you look up the word neglect, it's much stronger in the original language. It's more of a slacker, you know. And I was, a te- I was a teacher. I taught fourth and fifth grade, and I always had slackers in my class. But I loved the slackers because I knew that they weren't slacking because they were being, most of them, because they weren't, they weren't trying to be defiant. They really just were overwhelmed or they were just too comfortable. But there was always this underlying like, reason why they were slacking. And I see a really sweet heart of God here where, you know, a lot of us, if our kids are slacking, our own kids, we're like, come on, you don't deserve that. I'm going to take it away from you. But here, these tribes were slacking, but Joshua was patient with them, and God is patient with us. But he still gives us tasks to do. He doesn't say, okay, just be a slacker. He's like, no, I'm going to give you specific things I want you to go and do so that you're not overwhelmed or you're not stuck in your comfort, go and do these things. And so the first thing that Joshua tells the slackers to do is to go. And um, one of our studies, we talked about that, the importance of just going in faith. And then it says to survey the land. So they go and they survey it, and it said in our book that historians believe that this may have taken seven months. So surveying took time. When you survey, you're looking at all of what the land has. They're dividing it up. But it's interesting because it says to um, survey it according to your inheritance. So they were surveying with a purpose. Like, I'm not just going to survey so I know it's there. I'm going to survey it so we know how to divide it up and we know how to tackle what land is there. And then Joshua tells them to bring it back before him. And back in those days, they cast lots. We don't need to cast lots because we have the Holy Spirit that guides us. But we take it back to the Lord, and we can pray back to him um, that which we found. And then we allow the Lord to divide and, and distribute the lots. And I just love that action plan. So let's break it down just a little bit. To survey the land, what does that mean? I was sharing with one of my friends. I'm like, I start studying for these things, and then I'm like, Lord, I really need to... There's you study and then you're like, I need to study way more. I felt this way in college. Like the more you know, the more you realize you don't know. And um, when we enter into the word of God, it's so rich. And I'm like, oh, there's so much more I need to understand. But that comes with us spending time in the word and learning the word and digging in. And so when they're surveying the land, we are to survey God's word. We are to spend time with him to know his character so that we know these promises that he has for us. It takes time. It's going to take our, our lifetime. And then when we get to heaven, we're going to see the fullness of all of it, right? We're going to know the fullness of his character. And it's all going to be like, ah, oh, yes. But if you have not 
maybe surveyed your spiritual possessions, I'm going to give you a little homework to add to next week. But Ephesians 1 is a great place to start. It is just a list of spiritual possessions that we have in the Lord. We are his accepted in him. We're adopted. We have heaven awaiting us. We have exceedingly great power um, afforded to us through the Lord. And so you can just go through there and just write down all of the spiritual blessings that you have. Because if Zelophehad's daughters had forgotten what Moses had told them in that promise of God, they wouldn't have been able to stand boldly on it. So when we are not knowing God's promises in, in his word, how are we to stand on them? How are we to move forward? So we need to survey the land. We need to know the spiritual blessings that we have. In Galatians 5, and 23, we have the spiritual fruit that is given to us. I love that. Spiritual fruit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, and kindness. It was a VBS song a couple years ago. It sticks with you. That is given to us as a spiritual blessing. 1 Corinthians 12 are the gifts of the Spirit and how we are all given a gift when we have um, accepted the Lord as our Savior. The Holy Spirit gives us a spiritual gift that we might edify the body of Christ and, and go out and do the work of the Lord. He doesn't leave us to do it on our own. He gifts us and he empowers us to do that. If we don't know that we have these tools in him, we're not going to fully inherit and and possess the land, we're going to neglect it because we're going to be overwhelmed on our own two feet. On page 239 of our book, it says many of the things that God asks us to do are really things God asks us to be. Be loving, be available, be ready, be obedient, be strong, be disciplined, be holy. Paul summed it up well. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as Christ, even as God in Christ forgave you. Ephesians four thirty-two. And so, I was thinking about this, and um, and I was thinking about my motherhood. Like I'm a mom, and from the moment I wake up every morning, I know I'm a mom. Like I don't have to wonder, like what should I do to show my kids that I'm their mom? Like. It just happens. And I think sometimes when I think about my spiritual possession, I'm like, what do I need to do to prove that I'm a child of God? We have that backwards. We are a child of God. It is Christ in us. And Christy Duff at our Christmas coffee said it so beautifully. It is Christ in us, and it's in this broken vessel, in our brokenness, that his light shines through. And so it is not like, what do I need to do to prove that I'm faithful to God? It's, who am I? I am a child of God, and I have no trouble doing the tasks ahead of me as a mom because I know what they are. Like, I intuitively know them. And I also have three kids always telling me what it is that they need. But, but in so much, I want to be a child of God like that. Like, I know Christ so well. He is in me. I'm abiding in him and he in me. I'm not going, what do I need to do? Who do I need to be? And then that flows out in what you do, right? So be kind. Yes, he's kind. So be kind. Well, what does that look like? You actually help those people around you. It starts in your home. 
It starts right in the little portion that you have, and then it goes out from there to your neighbors, to your community, to your, our church community. It's an outflow. But I think we complicate it a lot. And I want to just encourage you, simplify it. Do we wake up in the morning and say, okay, I don't want to neglect what you've given me. You've given me all these spiritual possessions. May they just be alive in me as you are alive in me and define my day, you know, define my day. And it, it, I, COVID helped, you know, it's like we weren't doing a lot of children's ministry here or maybe there were less teaching opportunities. I had three kids sitting at my kitchen table and I was constantly teaching. It's not the big portions that we need. It's just being faithful with the very blessings that God has given us in our life. So just a little encouragement to you. Um, Once we've surveyed the land, bring what you found before the Lord in prayer. Go to him boldly and just say, show me what my portion is for today. What what do you want me to do? And allow him to, to determine your borders. I've been thinking about borders and I'm like, it's so interesting. There's so many borders and he's very specific about the borders. And I think a lot of times we think of borders as being very limiting in our culture. There's a lot of opinions on borders. We're not going to go there. But, um, but when I think about borders, I think about puzzles, right? So when we sit and do puzzles, and my mom loves puzzles, we bring it to vacation every year to Hume Lake, and we do this thousand-piece puzzle. What do you start with? The border. Why do you start with the border? So it brings focus to what you're supposed to be doing. It gives clarity to the picture. And so it is good. Yes, extend my borders, Lord. That's not a bad prayer. But bring focus as well so I know the borders so that I'm focused on what you would have me to do. And that is a season that I feel like the Lord has had me in this last year where it's like, Oh, Lord, bring focus so that I know what I'm doing is what you would have me do. And so borders are not limiting. They're really freeing. It also helps us be more productive to the end result, right? You're like, oh, I, don't, I know that doesn't go there and that doesn't go there. And it also encourages other people to join in with you. So my kids who have no patience, I have one kid who loves puzzles, the other two don't. And so the two that don't have patience for puzzles If we have the border, guess what? They'll come and help because they're like, ooh, I can kind of see what we're doing. And in the same sense, when we know our borders, it actually helps us in the body of Christ to partner together. We're not fighting against one another. In 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about us being members of one body, right? All with our own functions. And I think when we start getting our focus off the Lord and onto ourselves, we start going, but I want that portion, and I want that gift. And, and we start, I want, I could do their job way better than they do it, right? And we start conflicting. Well, the borders are beautiful because then we can just come alongside and go, oh, I see that piece. I'm going to stick it right in there. And we're working together as this beautiful unit. So with that, let me just conclude with just reminding us of what we've learned Who has a portion of the inheritance? It is all of those who have come by faith, asked in faith, and accepted the free gift of salvation 
through our Lord Jesus Christ. We all have an inheritance. And how exciting is that? Do you want a greater possession? Cut down the trees and go fight the giants with the Lord on your side. Know, and Stephanie told us this last week, know where your power comes from. Not of yourself, but the Lord. Are you neglecting your inheritance? Go, survey, sit with the Lord. Ask him to give you your little portion, your little agenda for the day, and he will be faithful. We're going to discuss is, why is it so important to remember uh, where our inheritance comes from or from whom it comes? Why is that very important? You know, I love the point that you brought up, Monique, about Ephesians chapter 1, and that's where our spiritual blessings are. And it was so encouraging because I was just sharing that with a friend and just going through who are we in Christ. And this gal was having a tough day. And I says, are you focusing on the blessings that we have? When you focus on the wrong things, then that's going to definitely bring you down. And just like the, the people group that needed to clear the trees, they thought, oh, that's going to be so much work. We have to drive out the inhabitants and we have to cut down the trees. However, I think having a heart of praise to, to what God has already given us changes our perspective and changes the amount of work and our attitude in the work, whether it's raising children, young children. Sometimes I remember thinking I'm, I'm missing out on, on life. And yet my life was right there, right where he had me. That was the center of his will, is raising three daughters. And, and how hard that is, because it, it's limiting. You can't do um, everything you were able to do as a single person or as a just married with no children. So um, I think it's, it's important to have that focus um, on the blessings of the Lord and having that heart of thanksgiving as well. Talking, I was even thinking over um, this time too. You know, I think when we get to heaven, we're going to be surprised by the things that really blessed us. You know, I think we often think it's like there's these big things that we get. And it is the simple daily tasks of our day that bless the Lord so much. And He loves us the same regardless. But when you love the Lord, you want to bless him, right? And so I just think about that. And I, I don't want to miss the blessings that the, the world doesn't really see as blessings. And we can get off focus. But those are where you're going to be so satisfied. And then it's such a blessing. And it blesses the heart of God. And that just makes me think of a scripture. I'm not sure where it's at right now because you get a little nervous when you're up here <laughs> and everything kind of escapes your mind. But I believe it's in Zephaniah, but it just talks about uh, do not despise the day of small things, you know? And I think a lot of times we do, we look at what other people are able to do in a season, you know, especially being a young mommy, you know, I'm not a young mommy, but thinking of that season and you do the mundane, the washing the toilet again, the cleaning the dishes again, it's just all these things, but really finding contentment joy, praise, and thanksgiving in, in the small things and not despising that time because that time will come that you can do more with the lot that God has given you. But 
you know, for me, just looking at that first question, I was thinking praise and thanksgiving as well, but also contentment, just finding contentment. If I know it's from the Lord, then he knows what's best for me. And so I can rest in that and I can be content in that. And so I think contentment is really big as well. You know, I just kept thinking, you know, First Timothy 6, 6, um, godliness with contentment is great gain. There's such gain in that. We can look at someone else's lot and go, oh, look at all that gain they have. But if I find peace and rest and contentment with what God's given me, that is a great gain. My lot that looks like this is really like this. And and we cannot forsake that, that season because a new season will come, as we know, right? Our, your kids are older. Our kids are having grandbabies for us. Thank you. You know, and, and the seasons change. And so, again, just going back to that heart of contentment, if I know who it's from, he knows what's best for me. And he knows what's best for you, for you and every woman in this room, those watching at home. And not to want what someone else has, right, and be content in what has been given to me. And, and one thing this week, as you were talking um, Joshua was such a great example of that in the 13th chapter mm. when the Lord was so honest with them. He's like, Joshua, you're old. <laughs> you're old in days, but he wasn't done with them. Yeah. He had great things for him. Now you're not going to be this warrior leading the people in war right now. You're going to actually distribute and, and distribute the land. And it was a great task, mm-hmm. but it was a different task. And he transitioned so well, right? Like, yeah. Okay. And the Lord even said there's more land to possess. Now, all the land that he needed to claim was claimed, but but God knew that each tribe was going to have to defend mm-hmm. and take full possession of each of their areas. Yeah. And so I think a lot of times we can hold on like, wait, well, I'm a warrior. Mm-hmm. There's still land. <laughs> I need to keep going when it might be somebody else's season. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a really hard thing mm-hmm. to learn. But it's so important because, again, in this world, we're, we're seeing what everybody else is doing mm-hmm. all the time on social media. And I loved the exor- exhortation that Stephanie gave last week. If you didn't watch it, you should watch it. <laughs> but, you know, with social media, we can see what everybody's doing. And we can mm-hmm. start to have that be our measuring stick. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing enough. Mm-hmm. Or look what they're mm-hmm. doing. What my possession and my little place in life isn't good enough. That is again such a snare. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I think uh, you you alluded to it and and didn't have time to develop it. But Joshua chapter eighteen verse seven, it says, "But the Levites have no part among you, for the priesthood of the Lord is their inheritance." And I think sometimes they didn't have any land to work or to maintain or to drive out the inheritance. But their portion was the Lord and his ministry, his job. And that was to represent the um, God to the people and to also help with, you know, helping to uh, cast out their sins and doing sacrifices. And so they had a full job. I, I can't imagine if one of the tribes thought, well, look, they don't have any work. You know, they don't have to till the land. They don't have to clear the rocks and all the trees. Look, they got it easy. They could just hang out and, and, and worship God all day long. And I think sometimes it goes to your point of being content and saying, but look at her job. That's easier. And, uh, and yet then they, they might be saying, I really want land. Like, I love the dirt. I, wa- I want to plant a garden. And I think sometimes in our own life, we can become discontent with the portion in which God 
has given us. Mm -hmm. And so that's really kind of in the heart. And if that's you, um, it's important to confess that sin and to ask the Lord to mm -hmm. fill you with that contentment. Yeah. And mm -hmm. uh, I love those scriptures yeah. that you shared, Sarah, that godliness with contentment yeah. is great gain. And um, so it's just interesting that the Levites didn't get a portion of the land, yeah. but they were, the Lord is their portion. And, and so the question, I think, is, is the Lord enough? You know, mm. sometimes we, we want more. Yeah. And uh, like the Levites, they, they had to be content with, mm -hmm. with the yeah. fullness of the Lord. And that kind of leads to my second question. We kind of talked about it, but there might be more to add. Because I, I really felt like talking about the, children of Joshua, or not the children, the children of Joseph, there we go, mm. all these J names, um, <laughs> with, you know, have we possessed all that God wants us to possess? So the mm. second question is, how can we possess all that God wants us to possess without growing discontent in the process? And I think mm. that was what I was really struggling with. It's not bad to want more, mm -hmm. more for the Lord. And um, the prayer of Jabez comes to mind. Stop oh, it. Okay. It was in my Sarah, notes, too. Go for it. Okay. <laughs> so that's funny because I wrote that in my notes, and then I'm like, you know what? I'm going to put a little bookmark there so when, if it comes up. Um, so that's First Chronicles, and that is chapter 4, verse 10. And it, this is known as the prayer of Jabez. You know, there's a book about it, and just, but this verse, uh, chapter 10, it says, I mean, uh, verse 10. And Jabez called on God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil, that I, I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. I love that you brought that up because I, I, I was pondering through that, through this study. Just, it isn't bad. No, it's not. And, and actually, I, that was a portion that I had in my notes that I just didn't <laughs> talk about. But... But when you look at that, it says before that that Jabez's mom named him Jabez, which means pain. Sorry, should have read that. <laughs> and so he knew in his flesh he causes pain. Mm. And he knew who he was in his flesh, but his prayer was so selfless mm -hmm. that I may be away from evil. And it was all about bringing glory to God. And in Ephesians oh. it says we are his workmanship created for good works, but it's all to bring glory to God. Mm -hmm. And I think when we ask for more territory, it's important to ask, what is our motive? Yeah. Is it, and this is a question we have going on in our house all the time, <laughs> you know, especially with social media. Mm. Why do you post? Is it for your flesh or is it for the glory of God? Because mm. if we feed the flesh, what's going to grow is our flesh. Mm -hmm. If we feed the things of the spirit, that is what is going to grow. Mm. And so with the prayer of Jabez, I saw such a contrast because mm. his heart was like, I don't want, I caused my mom pain. I don't want to cause anybody <laughs> else pain. I want to be a blessing yeah. and I want to, I want to glorify God. Mm. And the children of Joseph here, it was more about them yeah. and a selfishness. And so mm -hmm. I think, ask yourself, do I, do I want this more possession of more mm -hmm. for myself and for my glory or for God's glory? Yeah. Amen. To, magnify that point. I loved what she said about being kind, you know, waking up in the morning saying, Lord, what do you have for me? How can I bless your name to others? Not how can I get what I want, but, mm -hmm. but how can I be a blessing? And it starts in the home. And I think that's the hardest place to start in the home, especially if you have young children or you have teenagers or, or maybe you're caring for, um, 
you know, an elderly parent and, and they're, you're being tried mm -hmm. and tested. But I think waking up, like Jabez mm -hmm. said, enlarge my territory, mm -hmm. like bring opportunities. I think when we're selfishly minded, we're like, okay, let me just get my list done mm -hmm. and don't, don't interrupt that. I, I want to accomplish all I want to accomplish. But God says, I want you to be a blessing. Mm -hmm. I want you to show kindness to others. You know, my life is yours. What mm -hmm. do you have for me today? And it might be at the store. It might be, you know, to your neighbor as you were talking about extending kindness, maybe baking cookies or taking a meal to a sick friend. Mm -hmm. Those are all practical ways that we can enlarge our borders, even though we're not cutting down trees and and clearing boulders and all of that. But those are ways in which we can enlarge our borders, that we can be a blessing mm -hmm. to others, yeah. not just ourselves. I think sometimes we are the boulders and the trees, right? Sometimes it's just getting past ourselves. About, you know, just letting God define our day. But so many times we wake up and we want to define our day. You know, just going along with what you were saying, Lori. Um, <laughs> Uh, Philippians 4 verse 5 says, let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. And just thinking of that, having that gentle, kind spirit, you know, and it does start at home. And that is 100% the most difficult place for it to start, right? It's so much easier to be kind to someone outside of the home. A lot of times we can be unkind to those in our home because they have to forgive us because they have to live with us and there's no choice, right? And so we feel like we have a lot more leeway with that lot that we've been given. And so, yeah, just, again, going back to that contentment, being kind, letting God define our day, being okay with what he wants us to do and letting it start within our own home. And, yeah, if it is going into good works, taking meals, bringing your kids along, you know, just making your lot, whatever that is, bringing that along with you. You know, and again, not forgetting to serve those in your home. I've been guilty of that many times, you know, doing good outside of the home and neglecting what needed to be done in my home. And man, getting convicted by that and going, man, my ministry is here, right? And not to, to forsake that, but to, you know, again, like Jabez, praying for that territory to be enlarged. You know, maybe you are at home and, you know, you feel like you can't do anything. Hey, you're sick. You can pray. There's some ladies that I know have been on their sickbed. And it's, you know, as much as you don't want to put more on them, it's like, no, you need to pray. You have this opportunity to pray. Let me enlarge that territory right now, right? And so just knowing we can be used wherever we're at. And I think some of the most um, beautiful hymns, too, have been written by people who were at home. Mm -hmm. And they were pondering the things of of the Lord because they had mm. this beautiful time to fellowship with him and out of that birth these hymns that we sing even today mm -hmm. and I think even of um, streams in the desert I want yeah. I was just oh, thinking of that go ahead we're on the same yeah. wavelength <laughs> uh, if you're in a trial streams in the desert yeah. will be water to your soul mm. and that was written by a wife caring for her sick husband and she she kind of um, gathered so many different just heroes in the faith, mm. um, just the, the things that they struggle with. And so it's just a, a daily devotion, starting with the scripture and then these stories that are so deep that you know the lessons were learned, they were forged in the fire. I was just going to say forged. So yep. <laughs> Go ahead. That's streams in the desert yeah. again. Yeah. 
I was just literally, it's so crazy. You're, you know, when you're up here, you're like, you get on the same wavelength. I was thinking the same thing, like that's forged in the fire. Like it's not in the rainbows, butterflies, birds sitting there doing nothing. It's, it's feet to the ground, you know, hand to the plow, moving forward. And just, it's through the adversity, it's through the trial, it's through the tribulation that these rich stories come out, these rich devotions, these hymns, like they're just written out of a rich that they had because of the depth of whatever it was they were walking through right and it was that forced you know we I know for me sometimes I need that forced time with the Lord if everything is good how easy I can forget you know the goodness of the Lord and but man when that little bit of you know that little granule of sand like it gets into that oyster and it produces that pearl right we get that little bit of sand that starts to irritate man I run to the Lord it's what drives it what thrusts me forward into his word you know so and and maybe maybe I know all of us have been touched by COVID and forced into quarantine. Mm-hmm. Um, use that time wisely yeah. with the Word of God, with books that are going to challenge your faith and deepen your walk with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Don't just waste it on binging on TV shows that may not have any eternal value. Use your time wisely. Um, I know you're exhausted and sick and and yet I think it's a great time to just go before the Lord, just say, I'm going to make a commitment to be in the Word every day. I know there's a lot of us that have been reading the one-year Bible, and that has been an awesome challenge. Um, there's a new rendering of it called Change Your Life Bible by Becky Tirabasi, and it's really, it's good. It's wow. the same exact portion of Scripture, New Testament, Old Testament, Psalm, and Proverb, but it does have a portion of uh, commentary as well as questions, challenging. So it's kind of a new little fresh wind of the one year Bible. So I know there's a lot of people saying, you know, for this next year, 2022, um, I'm going to read the Bible in a year. And I know a lot of us like to make little phrases. I know for me, my phrase was or is renew in 22. And I, I want the Lord to renew my mind and my spirit and my soul and my flesh and and those relationships my marriage my relationship to my children to my grandchildren so those are things that i'm just praying the lord would do in 22 and maybe you have haven't thought about a phrase or or a word for for the new year we're still in january so you could <laughs> still time. do it um just just some ideas and food for thought some challenges in the new year, because if we are focusing on the Word of God, we can have the right perspective. And I think that's the neat thing about Joshua. You know, he was such a warrior, but he really had to depend on the Lord. He had to hear the Lord, his direction. And and this is how he was leading these millions of people, dividing up the land by tribes. It was very orderly. And Joshua had a huge task ahead of him and and just thinking um you know live fearlessly he didn't allow fear to drive him away from what god had called him to do and and maybe that i know in the last two years fears gripped a lot of people and it's actually bringing them away from what god has called them to do so maybe just a little reminder i don't know who that's for uh online but but maybe you just you're listening, and that is the first step. 
reading, hearing from the Lord, all of these things will help to develop your spiritual walk and, and help you to really hear the voice of the Lord. And may the voice of the Lord be stronger and more powerful than the, the voices that are on TV or in your family. And I think sometimes we get distracted. So just a, a redirection in, uh, in the new year. The last question that um, we're going to talk about is how can we avoid neglecting our inheritance? And so um, I know even as you were speaking, Lori, really quickly, just I know the lie of the enemy is if we are at home and stuck at home, the temptation is to hear the voice of the enemy saying, you don't have an inheritance, but you do. And you do have a place in the body of Christ, even if you can't be here with us physically. Mm -hmm. And I know that maybe the start of overcoming fear is just the going part and not even leaving, but just with a text. I'm praying for you, mm -hmm. to one person you're praying for, um, or whatever that might be. And I think, I know for me, when people text me that they're praying for me, mm -hmm. it blesses me so much because I'm like, they thought of me today. And mm -hmm. so maybe it's just one little step of sending a text to someone saying, mm -hmm. I'm praying for you, or what can I pray for you? You know, what do you need prayer for? And just start your little prayer journal at home, and that is the mightiest act of service that we can ever do for the Lord, and one that we often take for granted. <laughs> so um, just, again, a little encouragement. Mm -hmm. Just when they were avoiding their inheritance, I, I think a lot of them were probably overwhelmed. Like, where do I even begin? And I think, I know with my students in the classroom, I'm like, he's just overwhelmed. He's not trying to be a bad boy. He just can't figure mm -hmm. out what to do. So that's where just that prayer and that surveying as we talked about. But anything you guys have to share about avoiding the neglecting of the inheritance? You know, just thinking, I think you had said the definition for neglecting is laziness, and that can cut you right at the heart when you hear that, because none of us want to be accused of being lazy. But if we are honest, we can look at, oh, hey, when I was home, maybe I was binging on something that didn't feed my soul. Or, you know, it's, it's his mercies are new every morning, right? And so not becoming lazy in those things, I think, is a great reminder, you know, not neglecting that and just starting somewhere starting somewhere laying in bed lord again define my day it's just so simple to talk to him but like you said that could be sometimes the very thing we put to the side is that prayer time with him and neglecting that you know talking to one sister that's been home with covid and just encouraging one another um and just like can you imagine what would we do without prayer it would be like those that are married being you know she's married 30 plus years or 40 plus years how can you imagine being married that long and never communicating with your spouse your your the desires of your heart the the longings of your heart just com, just simple communication just knowing one another and yet that is sometimes the very first thing we can neglect you know and so how not to neglect our inheritance i think definitely just like you were encouraging us you know wake up and and Ask the Lord, what does today look like for me? And not becoming lazy in those things. And if you are stuck at home, it is an opportunity. If you're at a nine-to-five job, that is an opportunity. If you're homeschooling your kids, that is an opportunity. Every single thing God has given us, again, 
every one of us looks different in what our life and our lot in light looks like, our, right? What our plate has, it is perfect for us. And, and what does he want us to do with that? And not neglect that, become lazy in that. And it's easy. You know, I know when my kids were little, you know, if the house got messy, I would just sit down and go, I don't even know where to start. And sometimes that's our life. Our life can get so messy and we just don't even know where to start. I know I can be very guilty of that. You can you can let, allow the enemy come in with his lies, like whatever the lie can be, right? And just going, okay, there is somewhere to start. There just one step. Start with a text. Ask for prayer. I mean, or pray for somebody else. Again, like you said, it just starts with that simple task. You know, if you have the messy house, and that's just an illustration, you're just going to start with the one room, right? You're not going to, it's when you look at the whole thing that it's overwhelming, Okay, if I look at my life right now, maybe it's all overwhelming, but if I just start at that one thing, and I think you talked about that, letting God take inventory of the inheritance we have and just start somewhere, but start with the Lord, right, and, and in prayer. Your definition of neglecter was a slacker, mm. and I, I, I just thought that was funny because there, there was a season where I was so overwhelmed that I couldn't even unload the dishwasher. And, you know, three little ones, and it was such a, a battle. I think it was a battle for my soul. Um, and I, I didn't want to be a slacker, but I, I felt overwhelmed. And I like the way you put it. Just pick one task or one room. Um, it might be the Lord saying, just get into the Word. Spend time with Him. Don't start in Genesis, but, you know, maybe start in the book of John or we're going through um, the book of Acts on Sunday mornings. Mm -hmm. And so maybe you've missed some some portions of that. Go to the app and you're able to listen to studies and, and therefore you'll feel connected. You, you could get caught up and um, be on track, but, but if you just do just one thing um, to care for the soil of your heart, you know, um, then it's the rest of your day is really set in motion. But if you get so overwhelmed that you can't do anything, I think the enemy is trying to win the battle and have that victory. He wants to distract us all and he wants us to give up. He wants us to feel overwhelmed. So don't neglect the inheritance or the blessings that God has given us. This is the most important thing in our life is our spiritual life, our spiritual walk. And, and I think that's the first thing that we do neglect. It's the first thing that we set aside when, you know, we have so many tasks. Maybe the littles are, um, you know, expecting to eat and you're like, we have nothing in the house. Um, that becomes overwhelming. And so I think sometimes just, okay, Lord, Help me with prioritizing. Help me with breaking things down into small tasks. And I love what Elizabeth Elliot says. She says, do the next thing. Well, what is the next thing? Well, it might just be make your bed. It might just be as the moment that your feet hit the, the ground, just make your bed. And then that's the first task done. Go to the Lord. Have a little place in your home where you can you know, have your Bible so that doesn't take time and you get distracted and, oh, it's time for the, the laundry or the dishes. But just go first to the Lord 
and and he will set your day straight. I love that. And then of course, whether it's the dog or the children <laughs> or whatever, maybe you're rushing out to work and and you don't have time to take that time. Then listen to the audio Bible on your way to work if you're commuting. You know, what are we doing with those mundane moments, you know? Are we are we making them into holy moments? And I think that's what is so important is we can use any time to worship the Lord. And he wants that from us, that heart of praise. And I think that's what you were saying, making those moments glorious, right? When you're washing dishes, make it glorious. Sing, right? Put scriptures around your house in those places you know you're going to repeat being in those same places, right? And just putting the word of God everywhere. Well, awesome. I think mm-hmm. that concludes our night tonight. But um, thank you both, and thank you for joining us online. Um, we we miss those of you who are sick, and we hope to see you back soon. And, um, again, if you are at home and um, you are joining us online, we're so grateful that you are tuning in. And so may the Lord continue to bless and keep you all. Amen. Amen.